Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week in Geek, we talk about dildos, DiCaprio, and Pokemon Day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another week in Geek with the This Week in Geek podcast, where we talk about things that happened this week in Geek with two geeks. Does yeah. that about cover it? Is that a good summary yeah. of, of what we do here? Yeah, we we talk about geeky stuff. That, that's us. <laughs> How you been, Kevin, in the past week in Geek, where we haven't uh, talked about a week in Geek since the last time we talked about Geeky Week things? Yeah. Uh, I, I should probably check my calendar and make sure that like things are according to plan. Um, <laughs> what what did I do besides work and almost cry at work? Uh, let's see. I got a milkshake today. That's pretty cool. Uh, Ooh, from where? From okay. So there's like, I I work in like a, I it's not like a strip mall, but like it's a, it's like a nice like area with like bougie, kind of restaurants. Mm-hmm. around it in little like booths uh it's a place called pop bar and they serve gelato that's like their main thing hmm. so they had a gelato shake and i was i walked past it during lunch and i was like yeah i i need one of those uh <laughs> so I, I i went and i did that um yeah that, that's i did that uh i went to a friend's birthday party on president's day uh they it was their 21st so they clearly got wasted and we just put <laughs> all the streamers from around the place on on them before we left uh and yeah that that's been about it uh i i've been slowly job searching as well because uh although i do like the people at the escape room it's starting to get a little crazy so crazy how crazy as in like so like they, I I can tell that the managers want the older people out, so I'm just like, okay, hmm. time to time to. That's look not allowed guy. though legally. They yeah, can't legally that's that. not allowed, but like it's it's not good. <laughs> so we're all like, maybe we'll just go and like move to a new one or <laughs> start our own. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Uh, but. Other than that, it's just been pretty chill. Just uh, I, I've been talking with Unite Battle Hub, which is the uh, group that I do uh, Pokemon casting for, and trying to get all that planned out for the next month. So uh, that that's what I'm looking at. Uh, what about you, Matt? How is how's your week? How is is everything geeky on your end too? Everything is very geeky on my end. I, I'm a theater geek. Is Y'all listeners will know, so I've started rehearsing a play called The Explorers Club that'll be going up in May. So we've just started. Like last week, we did our read-throughs. This week, we did um our some character work. And then next week, 
we're actually going to start like running scenes from the play. So that'll be go. That'll be my life until May, which is both fun, but also like, uh, I don't want to leave the house four to five days a week. That's a lot, but it's fun while I'm there. It's just the, the process and the thought of like, ugh, I have to leave the house for three hours after work and come home exhausted, but it's a good time. Like, once you get into the space and once you kind of start moving and start doing the character stuff, it's like, it's okay. I'm glad I came one of those things. Um, aside from that, I took your, uh, your recommendations on two things that you talked about, Kevin, I've started watching, um, Comey can't communicate. I've on like episode 20 now or something. There we go. Um, and then I also watched Puss in Boots over the weekend. Oh, Puss in Boots. Yeah. I saw it. A good movie. It's good. Movie. I had a lot of fun. I, it was very the, emotional. The yeah, right? Like, it's not for kids. It's for us. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's packaged in a bright and shiny, cartoony Puss in Boots way so, so that the kids will enjoy while watching it. But the themes are very much for adults. Like, that that fear of of death and like searching for meaning in your life and like what is your legacy or, or what are you without that one defining aspect of your personality or like the search for belonging it's mm-hmm. it's really deep for a movie set in the shrek universe yeah and that and like panic attacks on like how how that actually works uh like calming methods and just trying to like yeah, all all the themes are like for real, like mm-hmm. deep. Um, and, and you've then, got John Mulaney as a villain. So yeah, that's that's uh, good. And so, like, the question is, like, at the very end of everything, uh, like at the end of you know, Puss in Boots. Now that like it's kind of, I would say, it's been in theaters for like two months now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going uh, away from my theaters this week. I'm pretty, I'm to... pretty sure everybody who wanted to see it has seen it, but like. You think we're gonna get another Shrek? Oh, absolutely. I know. Like, I know. It's been it's been in the works for a bit. It's been announced. We're definitely getting another Shrek. Mm-hmm. It's just who is going to be in it? What's the story going to be? Because they ended it like Shrek Four was quote unquote the final chapter. Yeah. So, but they're like, very heavily teasing five, and they announced that they yeah. were gonna come back for five. So this yeah. is like this movie was confirmation at the very end. It's like, yes, we're coming back. Yes, you're getting more Shrek. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. And then Comey is 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 just it's it's wholesome, but at the same time, it's like also very raunchy. And it's, oh, yeah. it's rated PG, but it's like it's not a kid anime at all. It's very yeah. much an, an, another adult anime. Like a kid could watch it. It's a, there's parts that are a little. I wouldn't. I don't think a kid should watch them. But yeah. like they could, they wouldn't understand what's going on. They'd think it's weird, but like they could watch it. Yeah, like anything that Najimi might pull out. <laughs> you, <laughs> Najimi's you never my know. favorite. Najimi I love Najimi as a character. Which one's the aggressive lesbian one again? Um, like Yamai. Yeah, the, her. The, the, Yamai. The one who, like the the one who put like Tadano in like her basement <laughs> yes yes the the very aggressive <laughs> lesbian who kidnapped tadano yeah those two are my uh, favorite i i love them i love them as well i hope that we i haven't seen season two yet 
but there's like one character who who I like from the manga. I'm on book 23, which came out on Valentine's Day, um, and oh I'm my. like, I'm I'm very happy that like this this happened, and there's a there's a lot. So, um, I'm 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 excited to go ahead and finally like break it down and. Do you see know where, if we're getting more the because there's only 24 episodes of the Netflix show, so I'm very I, close. To I the hope end. so. I mean, it, like if the what the manga goes by pretty quick i feel like a lot of people can can watch a lot of the uh or, or like the anime can catch up to the manga really quickly if it really wanted to um but i do like um i do like the direction that we're going in terms of the uh the manga right now so uh, i'm interested in seeing uh if, if we do get more which hopefully mm. we do but we'll see we'll see how fast they're catching up to the actual like uh the the manga now does the anime like capture the manga very well or are they very different is or how accurate is the adaptation the the adaptation is pretty accurate but one of the things that like i like i really like about the adaptation is like it's a small like animation detail of like when um what is it like when Tadano is trying to think, uh, you see the manga panels in the windows. Like you, you see moments of them like thinking about what's going on. Hmm. Um, and I, I respect that like quite a bit. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, I, I like reading it just because of like the pacing. Like I could sit down and read an entire like Comey thing, like an entire volume of Comey in like two. It probably like one like sitting. Like I mm-hmm. could finish it in an hour because I'm just so hooked to the characters and where they go. Um, so it's just interesting to see like what they pick and what they choose to like leave. You know? Yeah, I like how everybody is a stereo like a high school stereotype. But they do it so well that it's like, it's not, it's making fun of them, but not, but in, in a way that they're still like all lovable characters. Yeah. It's just like, and it's, not, it's at the point where it's like, God damn it, you two just kiss already. <laughs> <laughs> just do, just do it. Just, just make, just go out already. Because this will they, won't they thing is infuriating me because it's like, well, who else are you two going to end up with? Yeah. There's only one person who understands Komi, really. Well, no, two. Najimi kind of does at this point. <laughs> Najimi yeah. kind of does. But Najimi's a little too aggressive about it. In, yeah. in her, in their attempt to get Komi to better communicate, Najimi's a little too like, okay, on your own, where Tadano takes more time with it. So yeah. I was like, who... Who else is going? Or are they going to end up with? Like, if if they end up with someone else in the very end, it's like, wait, this was just a, this was just a big debate. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the news of the week. Um, as Kevin talked about in in the intro, um, we're starting <laughs> off with something spicy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Okay. 
Okay. So um, the, the first story is about a dildo, specifically what looks like the world of uh, one of the world's oldest dildos from Rome. Um, so archaeologists in the UK believe that a tool that they they have that they they found that they originally meant to they thought was meant to fix clothes might actually be a dildo um i'm looking at an article by vice and an article by insider um so this tool is about i think six and a half inches it says or it's like close to 10 centimeters um and according to insider because this thing is made of wood and it's so old it might have been longer originally and it just shrunk over the years which is like yeah that happens that's accurate (laughs) um but this object is made out of ashwood it was originally discovered in 1992 um and it's been examined by archaeologists in the uk who initially cataloged it as a darning tool which again darning is um used for mending clothes but it was revisited and reclassified recently after being examined by an archaeologist who thought it was a dick. One of the co-researchers for this, who worked with University of College Professor Archaeology Rob Sands, um, and the co-researcher Rob Collins, said, he came across this object and said, ah yes, this is a dick. That's the actual, that's the actual quote from this professor, um, Professor Rob Collins, who's talking about the other professor. Um, but the thing is, is like, yeah, they're not completely sure. They think that there is a there is a chance that it is a it is a dildo. Um, there was also just like the fascination, I guess, in Rome of phallic objects, and you also saw that in Greek culture, where there was a lot of, especially with like statues of of Pan, um, and Dionysus. Like they had a lot of statues where their their dicks were just out, they're just <laughs> just out there. Like there, I can't remember what the name of it was, but there was one raid. I think it's when like Socrates or some like some important philosopher was killed during this night of debauchery. But there was some, I think it was like some invading army or whatever who like did not approve of these statues having their dicks out. So they just went around the town and just cut them off of the statues. So there's a bunch of statues probably i don't know if they still survived um or maybe this is just written down in history but yeah there was just a night of statue undickening <laughs> um but the, the thing is is that these these researchers while they're they're saying that this might now have been a dildo um or something actually resembling a dick they don't know whether it was part of a statue or it was part of some other implement that just looked like a dick. Um, they don't know whether it was used for pleasure or if it was used for like punishing slaves by violating them with a, a wooden penis. But I, I, this is what came across my Facebook feed this week. So this is what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. And it's funny because it's like, it's one of those things where, if it is a dick, then it's a dick. And if it is a darning implement, it's like it, it becomes one of those things where you look at how history was classified and how people interpreted or will willfully misinterpreted things based on like the social 
what, what was considered socially acceptable back in the day when when people were talking about this originally and what i mean is is i think the most important example is with um if you've ever read or know anything about the Iliad, like the Trojan War, there's Achilles and his quote-unquote cousin or or friend, Patroclus. And do you know anything about this, Kevin? I, I don't remember the Iliad that much, but okay. I, I know of the Iliad. Yeah, but so so there's, there's a part where Patroclus, because, uh, because Achilles is being just this drama queen well not not drama queen he's rightfully mad but like he could help end the war and he decides not to because he's just like no i'm proving a point that i'm mad and then patroclus takes his armor to make people think that achilles is coming to help patroclus dies spoiler alert for a very thousands year old story um patroclus dies and then achilles just goes insane with grief and like throws these huge like funeral rites and celebrations and he's just beside himself and then the the professors or whoever the translators or the people who who were in charge of of talking about this back in the day it's like oh yeah they were just really good friends yes because that's what friends do when they die that's not that's not a lover's thing at all or there was you see i see this meme all the time on the internet where it's like there's an ancient Egyptian carving and it's two women together. And it's like, huh? Normally this, this depiction is, is reserved for married couples, but we have no idea why that these two women are depicted together like this. It's like, you don't have any idea why that two women are depicted as a married couple. Maybe they're a married couple. It's one of the, it's, it's that thing I think where, where, where this touches on is that, that sanitization of history. It's like people, people are upset that what is being depicted does not match the the moral standard of whatever the society that's analyzing the history is at the time and mm. so they change it so that it ni- nicely and neatly fits in there so people back in the day might have thought oh this looks vaguely penis shaped but no we can't have people thinking this is a penis so it's a darning tool I think that might have been probably what happened here. The willful reinterpretation of history. So speaking of things that are old and historic and and kind of dead at this point, Kevin, you remember Internet Explorer? I, yeah. (laughs) It was a thing. It was a thing. Now it's not. Officially, it's not. I like, when was the last time you used Internet Explorer? Ooh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, I I don't know. I think honestly, I may have used it once just to like pop open something and chat <laughs> separately. But like, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. It's definitely been over ten years since I've used Internet Explorer. It, it had to have been like junior high, because by high school I was already using like Firefox or Chrome. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I've used. I don't think I've used it in forever, but um, Microsoft back on Valentine's Day announced that they were killing Internet Explorer. So Microsoft officially 
disabled desktop versions of Internet Explorer on Windows 10 um, when it updated to the new browser, Microsoft Edge. Um, all other consumer and commercial devices that weren't already redirected from Explorer to the Microsoft Edge search engine will now are, will now automatically redirect from Explorer to Microsoft Edge. Uh, Microsoft Ex Internet Explorer was launched in 1995. Kevin, it's as old as us. Well, that's that's old. It went through 11 different versions, and the final version was in 2013. So when we when we graduated college, that was its final version. So it, I guess it, or when we graduated high school. So Internet Explorer never went to college. It stopped, it peaked at, after high school, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think the according to um, Microsoft, the reason why they decided to to discontinue it was with a growing number of websites no longer supporting Internet Explorer, Microsoft Edge offers a faster, more secure, and more modern browsing experience that can still open legacy Internet Explorer dependent sites when needed. Um, I've never heard of anyone using Microsoft Edge. I don't know anyone who uses Microsoft Edge at this point. It's like. If you're on Apple, you're maybe using Chrome or Safari. Um, I don't know if people still use Firefox, but I feel like Chrome or Safari are what people are mostly using these days. I don't know what, or I if for people who like their internet internet security, I know a lot more people are switching over to DuckDuckGo because it like it doesn't store your history. It doesn't like store any cookies or anything. It's supposed to be like it at least it bills itself as like the most secure platform for internet exploring so wow i mean all we can never use the internet explorer memes again because it's no more there it's actually dead dead <laughs> wow it's the end of an era i never thought i'd see it i thought internet explorer was just going to keep kicking around forever somehow i don't have a good transition for this but let's let's talk about movies and celebrities and things <laughs> um so Alec Baldwin is in the news again because it, how to how to phrase this. Um so Alec Baldwin is is back in the news because it, it, it's going back to the film Rust that he was on which put him back in the news a, a year ago. Um in 2021 Helena Hutchins who was I think the I think she was the director of photography on the movie Rust was fatally shot and Alec Baldwin was holding the gun at the time, which he says he never fired a whole mess of things happened there. Um, he was charged with, I think manslaughter, um, a, a few other things. The, it was a whole mess. Alec, I, I find it hard to talk about this cause it's so, there's a lot of moving pieces of all that. I don't want to go into like the nitty gritty of the legal system of this, but, um, the the main things I want to talk about are that Alec Baldwin had the charges that were being brought against him lessened. So he no is no longer at this point, I think, facing any jail time or at least reducing it, depending on how the jury and, and the courts find him liable in this case, because he was not only the actor holding the gun at time, he's also one of the producers of the film. Um, the manslaughter charges against him are being downgraded by prosecutors in New Mexico. Um, so 
a statement from Heather Brewer, who's a spokesman for the New Mexico's first judicial district attorney's office, said that the uh, weapons enhancement charge or the firearm enhancement charge that he was being hit with has been dropped to avoid further litigious distractions by Mr. Baldwin and his attorneys and the producers or and the prosecution's priority is securing justice, not securing billable hours for big city attorneys. Um, so in essence, she's saying that it's not an important charge and that they're dropping it just so that they can focus on what's really important. And I'm guessing that's the main manslaughter charge. So by dropping this um, firearms enhancement that was he's being charged with, that reduces his potential sentence by at least five years. Um, the manslaughter charges against Hannah Gutierrez Reed, who was the armorer, are also being um, dropped as well. Uh, so both of them could potentially be facing less prison time. Another interesting thing, which is really weird considering all of the bad news that's surrounding this movie, is that in spite of everything in spite of all the bad news and bad press they're still going to continue filming the movie there's they're looking to bring production back in the spring alec baldwin is still going to be in the lead role he still intends to finish it um it feels really weird and morbid um they replaced helena hutchins who was the director of photography who was shot with Bianca Klein, who um, was the cinematographer for Marcel the shell with shoes on, which came from a 24 this year, which looked really good, but I didn't get to see it. Um, The film is being picked up by a new production company, um, Yellowstone film ranch in Montana. So that's where they're going to be producing it. Um, Yellowstone Film Ranch uh, co-founder Richard Gray said, the dedication and um, passion of the entire Rust production team to honor Helena's vision has deeply moved us. We learned so much about Helena as a friend and colleague, the depth of her artistry, and the lasting impact she had on so many. We are honored to play the role in the realization of her vision and to carry forward her inspiring legacy through the championing of this film. So they're saying, pretty much what they're saying is, it's like if you've seen the new King Kong movie, or not the new one, but like the Peter Jackson King Kong movie with um, Jack Black, when like whenever a, a crew member dies, he's like, we owe it to their memory and we'll donate the proceeds to their family. It's it's kind of, it feels like that, where it feels like a flimsy excuse to say like it would be a waste to not finish this movie considering that they believed in it so hard. Mm-hmm. Um instead of well i mean this is this doesn't work because i don't think this is a this isn't a warner brothers production but it feels like this is a movie that they should have canceled for the tax purposes yeah like no matter how good this movie looks kevin would you feel comfortable watching it like I don't know about you, but I don't think I will ever watch this movie just because it's such a hot mess. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd ever take the shot at it just because like, yeah, it, it does make me feel like uncomfortable knowing what happened on set. And I don't think that 
regardless of how good the film would be, that is always going to hang around, you know? Mm-hmm. It's always going to be one of those, like, cursed movies that someone died on set of. Yeah. And then, again, Alec Baldwin is still going to star in it in spite of facing the jail time and, and all the court cases, which that doesn't feel right. It really doesn't. I feel like if they wanted to still do the movie, recast the lead and reshoot everything properly. And considering like that, I think from what I remember, um, the armor who was involved in this, um, what's her name? Find her name again. Um, the, the armorer who's in it was part of this Hannah Gutierrez Reed was not part of any union, so she wasn't like vetted, she wasn't insured. I don't think she like didn't have any bona fides to her name, and they hired her because, like, I pretty from what I remember reading this way back again, months a year ago when it was still new, it's like they were cutting corners by not hiring union folks, and like the union folks didn't feel comfortable working on this film because so many safety regulations, et cetera, et cetera, where corners were being cut. And so they hired this girl and then look what happens. Someone dies. This just doesn't seem like it was ever a safe and proper production. So I don't know. It'd be weird. Like being on crew of of this, just knowing everything that's happened already and everything that might continue to happen. But We'll see how it does in the box office. And if anyone wants to go see it, I think if people go see it, they're just going to go see it again because like The Flash, it's just such a a huge mess of a news story that it's like, hey, let's go see if it's worth anything. I don't think anyone's actually interested. Hey, Kevin, what do you think about Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, he He wants to save the earth, but anything over 25 is a no-go. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't like you making those jokes, Kevin. Oh, well, what's he going to do? Stop <laughs> helping the earth or something? Like, <laughs> He might. He Uh-oh, very well wait, might. My bad. <laughs> Fix uh, it. I mean, I recently saw a meme that's like, uh, in, what was it? In, in Inception, his, wife's, his wife was the same age as him, so you know it was a dream the entire time. Um, but Leonardo DiCaprio is 48 years old and apparently he can't date anybody over 25 because as soon as they hit that age, he dumps them and it, he just has this history and people have charted out. It's, it's hilarious to look at these charts, but people have like made bar graphs and line charts or whatever of the ages of people he's dated. And it's, it's never over 25. Um, and apparently he, he's aware that this is a meme. He's aware that everyone's making fun of him for it and he doesn't like it. Um, according to mail online, the, a source told them Leo was very single right now and he's not keen on the hype suggesting that he's seeking out these very young women. <laughs> the insider explained um, he's looking for something more mature in the relationship department and he cannot go anywhere without being linked to the youngest woman out there. He wants to ditch this image once and for all and is really bothered that this continues to follow him. Leo wants something like he had with um, 
Camilla, who is Camilla Marone, who I guess he just split with. Um, he wants to he wants to find something like he had with Camilla, something real. And apparently, his latest romance is someone who's twenty nine years younger than him. And what's creepy is, have you been have you seen anything of The Last of Us, Kevin? Ye- the no, show I, the the one on hbo yeah no i haven't been on it have you seen any like photos of the two leads of... yeah so for context the gap between leo and his latest fling the age gap there is the same age gap between pedro pascal and bella ramsey that's crazy so if 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 pedro pascal and bella ramsey started dating that's like leo and his latest love quote unquote love. Yeah, that's a little weird. But the thing is, is like Leo, you keep doing it. So you can't say that like you're not because people have people, people know who you're in a relationship with. Like it's, it's very clear when you're in the public eye and if you had a problem with it, you wouldn't keep doing it. So I don't think anyone cares how you feel, Leo. Like, if you want something real and mature, stop dating teens when you're almost 50. And it's weird that, like, he, he, according to these sources, it bothers him. Because I was talking with a friend recently before this came out, before this news story came out, that it bothers him. It's like, hey, because my my friend um, Haley sends me all... (laughs) all these weird stories about uh, Hollywood folks dating people decades younger than them. I'm like, Hey, do you think Leo ever like cares that we make fun of him for it? And she's like, nah, I don't think so. But then this story comes out and he does, but it's just people commenting on things that he is doing. Like he's, he's actively dating people who are younger than he's actively seen with people significantly younger than him and he even if they're not like seriously romantically related maybe they're just hanging out it's like leo you know your reputation you know this is gonna follow you you are doing it to yourself yeah it's just not good like dude you're almost 60 like, are you going to be dating 18-year-olds when you're 60? Like, I get it if he doesn't want to settle down. But, like, that's one of the reasons why people are are say that they respect Keanu Reeves a lot more. Because he's, when he's in a relationship, it's with someone who is his age. Or you look at, like, other more stable relationships. Like, um, Tom Hanks and, and Rita Wilson, like, they've been together... For forever, and they are, are the same age. Um, there's another one I can't remember his, his name of, but it's like someone asked him, "Like, oh, why are you?" I, I can't remember what they said, but it's like his his response was, "Well, this is the woman that I married. This is the woman who had my kids." It's like, yeah, she doesn't have the same body as she did when we were twenty in our twenties, but like her body has given me children, so why wouldn't I love it? it's it's those kinds of relationships that i think people respect it's not leo i don't think people really respect leo as 
a person. I would say they respect his acting career and they respect his efforts for the planet. But I think most people think that Leo as like a romantic interest is a joke. Like Kevin, do you think that any of these girls he goes out with like think that they're that he, he's going to settle down with them? Mm, probably not. But like, it's not. It's not a point where like it. It it feels like if if they do take the chance at all, it's just not going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. like. They they know that they're on the chopping block, and I I hope that's not the case for real. But no, like see the way I see it is that they're mutually using each other. Like he's using them for whatever pleasure he gets from being with a younger woman, and I think that they're using him to be kind of seen more in the public eye and get people talking about them and saying their names and having their photos featured in the tabloid. So they're they're doing it to be the new girl that Leo is dating. They're doing it for that publicity. And I guess he's happy to give it to them unless they, as long as they give him something back, but he's not happy that people talk about it, even though he's bringing them out in the public eye. And that's what they want. That's what these girls want is to be seen with him. And it's like, if that's how you you're deciding to make your name in entertainment, cool, go for it. Use Leo. But it's like, uh, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't know. Leo's never going to date me, so <laughs> I don't have the answer. Yeah, we're over 25. <laughs> <laughs> we missed the cutoff by, at this point, it's going to be three years. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of weird celebrity relationships, um, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. So apparently there was a a report that came out that the reason why that they had split, according to page six, initially was that Megan Fox had seen some texts on Machine Gun Kelly's unlocked phone that led her to believe that he was having an affair. According to Megan Fox, that's not true, and she recent after this story came out she brought back her um her instagram to say that that it was not true she said there has been no third party interference in this relationship of any kind that includes but is not limited to actual humans dms ai boys or succubus demons what (laughs) let me read that again There has been no third-party interference in this relationship of any kind that includes but is not limited to actual humans, DMs, AI boys, or succubus demons. Okay, I'm still very confused. The second half of it says, While I do hate to rob you of running random baseless news stories that would have been much more accurately written by ChatGPT, you need to let this story die and leave all of these innocent people alone now. I I guess, but still, what is actually going on? No one knows. No one knows. And the question is, is like, I know that I'm talking about this and we're putting this on the podcast, but it's like, again, why do we care? (laughs) 
why is this why is this a news story that CNN has to run? Why is this a news story that Vanity Fair has to run? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about it because they're talking about it. But why are we talking about it in the first place? They're they're two kind of washed up celebrities. No one cares about Machine Gun Kelly. No one cares about it. He's not a good musician. I will say it now. He has got maybe some good songs that he's featured in, maybe one or two catchy things, but he's not that talented. Megan Fox had her day with Transformers or whatever, but she's like, she's not acting anymore. Maybe she got a raw deal with Hollywood, like objectifying her. Um, I know there's stories behind there about like people like um, Michael Bay putting her in, in a stripper cage in a bikini at age 17, which is disgusting, Michael Bay. She's she was a child at that point. You should never have done that. Um, but like she's she's not really acting anymore, so she's not that relevant. So it's as much as I enjoy entertainment culture, I think people take it too far sometimes. And I think people feel very entitled. And and celebrities do it to to themselves. They post their lives on social media. We all do. Um, and there is I think when you become a public figure, an expectation that people will take more interest in your life than they normally would. And there are people who are super fans who feel like they need to know every detail of your life. But it's also like, why do we care if they're splitting up? They're not big time celebrities. They're not active really in anything right now. They're weird folks and they get a kick out of being weird and you're kind of feeding into that frenzy around them, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Just leave them alone. Let them have their relationship troubles. Yeah. The cult of celebrity is so weird. I'm sorry. I, I just, I couldn't, I, I just gave up on, uh, on MGK after he definitely lost to, uh, to Eminem, I don't think he. I don't think he recovered after that. I don't think he could. Like, like literally, there's a reason why it's called kill shot. Like, it was a kill shot. It, he's done. Like, that was it. his. Was his alt rock phase before that or after that? After. Okay. What What did he do before rap? Act. Ew. Ew. And yeah. I told you my Machine Gun Kelly story though, right? The how I I was eating bacon next to him. What no? Okay, so I was at a party for variety back when I worked for them. Um and I I hadn't had breakfast and they had a breakfast bar, so I'm just I had this plate of bacon and eggs, and I was just stuffing my face with bacon. And I'm outside looking out onto the Hollywood skyline, and this dude kind of like Go walks up to the table next to me. He's maybe five feet away from me. He's just standing there. He's tatted up and like me just having a feel for Hollywood. I know this guy is important. I looking at him the way he is being at this party. He's somebody. I know he's somebody. I don't know who he is. So I don't talk to him, but I look at him. It's like, okay, I'm going to figure out who this guy is at some point, And I am going to kick myself for not knowing who it is. A couple days later, I see his photo. Oh, that's who Machine Gun Kelly is. Okay. Mm. He was kind of a nobody at that point still. He hadn't gotten to his beef with Eminem. That was a couple months later. But 
it happened a couple months later, and then his career never recovered from there. Like he's tried, he's tried to do songs with some folks. I think he has a song with Young Blood. I think that I actually do really like. It's the one where it's um, what's it even called? I think it's called One Night, where it's like, watch me take all. I think I don't. I don't even. even, I don't want to go into it, but it's like it's it's him in Young Blood, but that's like the only song that I know by him that's actually worth anything. I think it's so weird. One beef with Eminem and your career is just done. Yeah, that's why you don't mess with him. You don't mess with that guy. Like, like I I appreciate, like, I appreciate rap to the point where. I know that you do not mess with a goat like that. <laughs> like, uh, it, I mean, it, I I don't want to go into like rap history, but like, you remember when Drake first dropped his dropped forever? Mm-hmm. So that song was like for the LeBron James, like come up like documentary or something. Right. Hmm. Um, there, there are stories that, uh, when they brought they brought everybody into the actual like um they brought everybody into the studio and it was you know Drake, Kanye, Lil Wayne and they were they were all working on their their verses and Eminem shows up 9 a.m. sharp and everybody's like oh okay he, he's here he's gonna do his thing he pops in there he writes for like two hours he records his verse at like one o'clock and he clocked out at like two and he's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and everybody's like, okay. And then the producer played it back to everybody there and it forced them to go into rewrite mode for like a week. Damn. So like something that M could come up with like in essentially in a day or not even just a day. knowing that he's like going in, like he's efficient. And the the fact that, like, still to this day, like, when you listen back to it, like, yeah, Drake is on the come up. Like, his verse isn't going to be as strong. You don't expect it to be that strong. But this was, like, prime Kanye and prime Lil Wayne. And then, like, M just goes off. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Like, this is ridiculous. He doesn't even um, have to try anymore. Yeah, which is the reason why, like, I respect him. Like. He's one of the he's one of the goats of hip hop because like of that. He makes it feel so effortless whenever he's on a verse. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to books and things. Um, Kevin, do you know who Roll Dahl is? He's the guy who wrote uh like The Giver, right? Or like the what was no. it? That one? No, the uh, that was Lois Lowry, he, I think. No, the the <laughs> other one, the uh, the BFG and like Willy yeah. Wonka and stuff okay, like that, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm like, BFG, Willy Wonka, Matilda, which is the giraffe, the okay. Pelly and me, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, um, yeah. James and the Giant Peach. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's that author. He's that, um, that guy. So this is kind of similar to when we covered, um, what's his name? Dr. Seuss. Um, but the, Roald Dahl has been dead for a little bit of time now. Um but the Roll Doll Company has decided that 
they are going to edit the the existing works of Roald Dahl to remove words such as fat, ugly, and mad. Uh, why? Well, because well, so Roald Dahl has forty three books published. He's sold more than two hundred fifty million copies, and the publisher Puffin said that they feel that they need to rewrite the book so that they continue to be enjoyed by all today, but still kind of want to maintain the irreverence and sharp edge spirit, but they don't want people to feel like these works are offensive. So for example, Charlie and the chocolate factory, the character of Augustus gloop is supposed to be the fat kid who eats too much chocolate. Right. Mm -hmm. So they feel that that's a little bit offensive to people who are fatter or rounder. I don't know how to say it at this point. Um, but instead of in referring to him as enormously fat, they're just going to call him enormous um, on sponge from James and the James and the giant peach is no longer the fat one. They're taking out the word ugly for, so for example, um, in the twits, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly and beastly. She is just beastly. Um, things like that. They're changing them to, I guess, have less loaded words. It, they're, they're trying to keep the same spirit and the same imagery and pictures. Like, not pictures, but like, dis- the same spirit of the description of who these characters are and like, that they're not good people but they're i guess they're trying to avoid the association that like if you're fat you're evil if you're ugly you're evil if you're female you have to behave a certain way or else you're considered unfeminine which i understand i understand why they're doing it i understand the intent behind it i don't think you need to do it like these books have been out for forever and I think this is this is one of those reasons why people make fun of like what quote unquote woke quote unquote cancel culture quote unquote liberalism because I think people are fighting battles that don't necessarily need to be fought like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone besides me oh there, there's probably be people out there who who were upset by these words but it's also like it's a also a product of their time Mm -hmm. like i can't see anyone going back and and editing harriet beecher stowe's uncle tom's cabin to remove all instances of the n-word like it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything besides give people something to make fun of yeah i mean it i could see the same thing happening with like tom sawyer and right, like right. Huck Finn. It's mm-hmm. like the it was written like that because it was written during that time. And to to remove an artist's like words is to literally edit like edit some of the meaning that they had. And like I I understand like, yeah, sure, people are are hurt by the description, but it is what the author wrote. Uh, like, nobody's asking you to go back and re-edit it that way. And I think it's like, 
if if you if anything, you could put a note at the beginning that said, "Hey, some we understand that some of the language might be hurtful to some audiences. Please mm-hmm. understand that this was written in a different time in a different context." Like that's probably going to be made fun of, but like, hey, at least you're not touching the book. It mm-hmm. just it feels like it's not a battle that needs to be fought. I think we're focusing on the wrong things here. I think I don't even know at this point. Um, but according to a an a representative for the Roll Doll Story Company, um, they're talking to Insider here. We want to ensure that Roll Doll's wonderful stories and characters continue to be enjoyed by children today. When publishing the new print runs of books written years ago, it's not unusual to review the language used alongside updating other details, including a book's cover and page layout. Our guiding principle throughout has been to maintain the storylines, characters, and the irreverence and sharp-edged spirit of the original text. Any changes may have been small and carefully considered. As part of our process to review the language used, we worked with in partnership with Inclusive Minds, a collective for people who are passionate about inclusion and accessibility in children's literature. The current review began in 2020, before Doll was acquired by Netflix. It was led by Puffin and the Roll Doll Story Company together. So I get that they're working with folks that are trying to reduce the stigma of some words like fat. Like historically, when you look at books, the fat characters are the bad ones. Ugly characters are the bad ones. Yeah, I get it's it's a harmful stereotype. But I don't. This is just making people making like liberalism and like inclusivity look bad. I appreciate the effort. It's just, what is it? What is it going to do? The, yeah, the original books are still going to be out there. I will go pick up my copies before they get edited. Oh yeah. Unless they like, yeah, we collect them all and burn them. Yeah. Which I guess is it could be a pro argument to this. Is like you could also say that well, the original editions are still going to be out there. So you could still buy and read the original ones, I guess. But I think I made my point, though. Now, I think I think a fight that is wor- more worth having is um, going just showing Blizzard's awful side again. Um, they're back in the news because during a company-wide meeting. Um, Blizzard President Mikey Barra made his employees feel extremely unimportant and unsupported. So, during a company-wide Q&A session, Mike Ibarra answered some questions that were pre-selected, and his employees were upset because they were only receiving 58% of their usual profit-sharing bonuses, despite Blizzard having, quote, a record-setting year, that saw the company's highest quarterly net bookings to date in their fourth quarter earnings report. Um, Ibarra also reportedly suggested that employees who thought executives were not affected by the bonus cut like rank and file employees are living in a myth. So he's, he's pushing that, Hey, we're people too. Like we need our, like our, in spite of making so much more than the actual people working in the company's like, Hey, 
you have to think about us when, when we have to cut our bonuses too, which is never something that you tell the people who are like actually doing the day-to-day work in your company. Cause people like that don't make a lot of money when you're, when when you're an executive who's making millions of dollars a year, a 58% of profit sharing bonuses, assuming that these executives are getting the cut, doesn't hurt the same way as like someone who's living paycheck to paycheck or working on a, a salary or working hourly. That's not going to hurt you as much as it hurts them. So I think a lot of people somehow I don't I don't get how executives end up forgetting this because they had to have not they had to, but a lot of them probably started down there. In, in working that wage life. And so for them to forget how that hurts folks is kind of upsetting. Um, on top of that, uh, Blizzard is now going to start forcing its employees to come in at least three days a week starting in July. Um, when he was asked how the company leadership planned to retain the same talent and workforce once they started forcing employees to come in again three days a week, Mikey Barra reportedly didn't have any plan. Instead, he simply said that at the end of the day, people need to do what makes them happy. And if the company's goals and employees' personal goals don't align, that employee needs to do what will make them happy. So pretty much here he's saying, if you don't like it, quit. All right, bye. (laughs) An Activision spokesperson said that the company spoke the company stands behind Mikey Barra's comments and is proud of his leadership in tough moments, which of course they're gonna say that because they're corporate. Of course they're gonna stand behind their man. But very clearly, Activision Blizzard is saying that the employees don't matter here. And it's becoming increasingly hard to find anything worth supporting in this company. And I don't understand how they don't realize that if you don't treat your employees well, you'll have no one to work for you and you will have no company. It's kind of how it works. Kevin, tell us about Pokemon and please make them happy news. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Pokemon day. Uh, I will not be awake for this, but Pokemon what day is, is... going to happen at, yeah, 6 a.m. our time. Yeah, no, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you guys are on East East Coast time, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, um, there is a lot of hype around it. By the way, it's on Monday the 27th. It's always on the 27th because it celebrates the release day of Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be 26 years since then. So, uh, yeah. Uh, wow just a little younger than us but oof um older than pokemon red and blue yeah (laughs) so uh here are the things that are kind of expected to come out um we're supposed to well we just got a teaser that zacian is going to be joining pokemon unite pretty soon Hmm. uh so we're so we're getting the sword doggo in the game so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays um a lot of there's a bunch of data mining going around in terms of like Unite and other Pokemon that are on the horizon. Um, so that is also something that we have to keep in mind as we continue on forward. Um, we'll see if that does come into light, especially during Pokemon Day. If they do announce it, we'll we'll all like collectively lose our minds. Um, and a lot of people are expecting a Scarlet Violet update and or DLC. Um, 
that way there might be uh, more Pokemon joining, more Paldean variants, and so on and so forth. Um, for for those of you guys who collect your plushes of Pokemon, uh, we will be getting a Snorlax and a Hogapi Squishmallow. Um, I'm so excited for that. So yeah, if you, if you guys like those, I like them. Uh, I, I would like to add them to my couch. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, that is it for the most part. That's to be expected. Um, I know that everybody has certain things that they have on their wish list that Pokemon would do. Um, for me, I I tweeted it out. I think a couple couple days ago. But like on my wish list, I have uh, I want a new Pokemon Stadium or a new like pokemon party game i think that would be really helpful um i want a new pokemon pinball i think <laughs> i think we could do really well with pokemon pinball um and last but not least uh possibly a pokemon auto battler i feel like all those would be really solid uh moving into pokemon day i heard a rumor that they might be porting like the game boy pokemon games to switch yeah, that might also be in the announcement pretty soon, so we'll see if that ends up being the case as well. That excites me because I haven't played Sapphire in forever. I didn't play Omega Sapphire. Omega Ruby, what was, the, what was the Sapphire one? Yeah, uh, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Alpha, yeah, I never, I didn't get to play Alpha Sapphire, which made me sad because I didn't have a 3DS at the time. But if I can play Sapphire again, I will be very happy. So yeah, we'll see if we get that or like Emerald maybe uh, on the on the emulator. We'll see what they give us um, moving forward. But yeah, once again, that starts at 7 or it starts at uh, 6 a.m. our time PST um, or 9 a.m. EST. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, I know a lot of people on the other side of the world are happy uh, and will be up for it. So uh, I got to watch it first thing in the morning so I just don't get spoiled by all the other posts so we'll see how that goes um yeah so that's gonna do it for the pokemon day stuff um we're gonna be moving on into our anime stuff real quick um a lot of lots of anime and manga stuff so uh let's start on the live action portion of it um with the release of creed 3 michael b jordan actually sat down in an interview and discussed some of the uh influences on his fight scenes in creed 3 um michael b jordan is known for being like a huge anime fan um he like modeled his killmonger armor after vegeta so we know that he knows the anime stuff and and what's good um but he was saying that during the fight in creed 3 it draws from anime such as hajime no ippo megalobox naruto my hero and dragon ball z um so i'm interested in seeing if we are going to have somebody who breaks down like where each of these scenes come from. Um, one of the most like famous things in Dragon Ball Z is what they call the lunch. Um, it's not food. It's where like one person punches you in the gut and you like keel over, over the fist. Oh. Um, they have that exact shot in the trailer already. So people are like, oh, okay, so that's the Dragon Ball Z reference and so on and so forth. So, um, I'm gonna be really interested in seeing how they uh how they depict this. Um and I was also wondering like if I have to go watch the other Creed movies before I go into this, but um it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Um it's also kind of funny, you know, that the uh what I'm I'm gonna 
forget the actor who who plays Kang in the new uh um, media. Jonathan Majors. Yeah, so John uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors is also the antagonist in Creed 3. So, so everybody's like, "Oh, wow, Kang versus Killmonger." I mean, as long uh, as he does more punching than talking because when he did all that talking in Loki, I I wanted to claw my ears off. Yeah, so I, was I, I think they have Loki. they have a good amount of like plot, but I I'm waiting for the fight, you know. Jonathan Majors looks really, really nice, like physique wise. So I think that it's gonna be oh, yeah, really they interesting. Both look to see really other ripped. Yeah, exactly. So it's gonna look really nice on on film. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be something that's interesting. Uh, later down the line, things for you anime nerds if you guys do want to see Creed three. Um, moving on to other movies, let's talk about the Kaguya-sama Love Is War movie. Um. I saw that with my with my friend uh on the 15th it was it was great. Uh it is pretty much like 5 episodes of Kaguya like slammed together. Um so that's why the runtime is about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh it it is just like all the episodes just put together and it's it's a great film. It takes place during Christmas. Uh it was released during valentine's day for us because it is a you know uh it is a romance like anime so um it it fit that bill and it was it was really important it was really good um but yeah um me and my my friend we sat in the very back of the uh of the theater got some popcorn and we're just like yeah we're just gonna enjoy this movie um the the only thing that I will say is uh, I wish that we could get a small Kaguya plush uh, after how they depicted it in the uh, in the movie, um, and this will probably lead into into um, season four. So I'm assuming that we're going to be getting Kaguya Sama the movie uh, onto Crunchyroll or some sort of streaming site uh, before we actually get uh, season four. So. That's definitely going to be something to keep in mind uh, as we continue on forward. Um, but yeah, uh, good good movie, and it was it did so well on the fourteenth and fifteenth that it was extended into the uh, into the weekend. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of my friends who may not have been able to to see it on those days were able to see it on the weekend. So um, yeah, it, overall great movie. Would recommend uh, if you're into Kaguya Sama Love Is War. And uh, yeah, uh, good movie overall. Uh, okay, uh, moving on into another anime adaptation. Uh, let's talk about Pluto. Um, Pluto is one of the, I, I would say it's a manga that I would have recommended, but it is a, it's a really, really nice series. So Pluto um, is written by Tezuka, which is, Osamu Tezuka's son, uh, the guy who created Astro Boy, um, and uh, Naoki Urasawa. Urasawa is the guy who made uh, 20, uh, 20th Century Boys and Monster, um, which are really high, like, I, I would say mystery suspense, like, manga. And he's, like, the master of, of writing those kinds of things. Um, I'm in the middle of watching Monster on my own. Um, but I read Pluto entirely, and I do want to get through 20, uh, 20th Century Boys. But 
Um, these two teamed up to make a series called Pluto, um, which is a spinoff. It, it's not a spinoff, but like it's a retelling of one of the original stories from Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy. So it's a more gritty take on what actually happened during this certain arc. Um, and Urazawa and Tezuka really dive into this whole thing of like the the characters, the reasoning behind them, like who are you actually looking to uh protect and who's worth it. Um mm. but the main the main story of Pluto, uh just to make it really simple, is um there are seven protector robots of the planet, uh, one of them being Astro Boy. And at the beginning, one of the new one of the protector robots who have been around forever um suddenly dies and is like torn apart completely. Um so it forces the other seven to kind of be weary about what could happen to them um and what destroying the protector robots can really do uh to somebody later down the line. So um it's an amazing manga. I would recommend reading it if you guys want to. Um, or you can wait until the adaptation. I'm interested in seeing where that goes. Um, but overall, excited to see uh, Pluto hit the big screen. It's been it's been out for quite a bit, and I, I really do think that it deserves its uh, anime adaptation here. Uh, I had a friend ask me about it earlier today, too. I told him, like, you don't need to know anything about Astro Boy in order to enjoy the series. Um, it is very much, um, it's very self-contained and you could really learn a lot about it. Um, the only exposure I have to Astro Boy is the PS2 video game, which was actually pretty fun. (laughs) My, um, my parents showed me like Astro Boy and I had to do a study of like the origin of like how anime kind of started. And mm-hmm. how much Tezuka was inspired by like Walt Disney's original like Mickey Mouse, and so on and so forth. So I had to do like a full dive on it. So I re- I respect Tezuka and all the stories that he's written. He's still considered like the master of manga, um, even though he has passed away for quite a bit. But he he used to crank out stories like it was nothing. So, um, yeah, just Pluto is a great adaptation. Um, if you guys want to read the manga, do it. Um, but if you want to wait for the Netflix show, uh, go for it as well. I'm not going to stop you. Okay. Now, moving from the animation to the manga and stories, uh, this week I'm actually going to give you something a little bit different in terms of the recommendations. Um, so for, or more recently, uh, let's talk about Hirohiko Araki. Um, he's the guy who created Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, he recently released the latest chapter of his newest part of Jojo's, which is part nine Jojo lands. Um, and this really inspired me to go back and pick up another book off of my shelf, um, that I haven't recommended, uh, formally in the section yet. So, um, this week for my recommendation, I am going to be recommending, Manga in Theory and Practice, The Craft of Creating Manga by Hirohiko Araki. Um, it is a very interesting read. Um, it talks about how he formulates characters, how they operate and move inside of JoJo's. 
um, breaking typical, like, uh, one of the big ones is, like, part three was the one that really launched him. And it was because he had this idea of, um, he, he wanted to do the tournament arc, right? Like, in most animes and shonens, you get drawn in because there is a tournament arc. As, as yeah. you continue through the tournament arc, characters get harder, and then there's a big baddie at the end, which if you win, you win the whole thing. If not, it's like a crushing defeat overall, right? Um, yeah. The way how Araki wrote his is he said, I like, he liked the concept of a tournament arc, but he didn't like how predictable it was. Because at the very end of the day, you fight the strongest guy regardless of what else happens in the middle, right? And so Araki decided, we're going to make it a trip. In, in part three, it's a trip from Japan to Egypt. Um, and to make that happen, uh, they, they originally tried to plane. It didn't work. They tried to boat. It doesn't work. Um, but as they continue to go through the story of, uh, fighting other characters and, and figuring out like who's their enemy, um, they slowly start to figure out, um, like not necessarily the power scaling, but it's all random. So like you can fight somebody who's relatively strong in the first like three fights and then you have to like you have somebody who's better at the battle of wit or you have somebody mm -hmm. who is overall smarter so as long as you're going from a to b at the end of the day it is a trip about five guys going to egypt to go beat up a blonde vampire that's <laughs> what it is uh but overall like the story of you understanding where the Jojo crew has been and what they had to go through in order to fight uh, the big baddie is really important. Um, and like, it's a really interesting read in terms of like things to take away from the manga and things that he also draws elements from. Um, and it's really impressive to like, see how um, Araki really like hones in on certain parts of the story. Um, and it's inspiring i would say like even if you don't like jojo's bizarre adventure it's a really good peek behind the curtain to see what uh what this author who has had you know nine parts of his own manga be published in shonen jump um it's really interesting to hear what they uh what what they have to say about the creation of manga and things that they they like in general so um it's not necessarily a manga there are manga panels in it but it does talk about like the journey of creating manga and things that make jojo's bizarre adventure and other manga really stand out to a creator like hirohiko araki uh all right so yeah this week we have uh, a crazy release week uh we are going to have blue lock 5 loser ranger 3 Hungry Love Frontier 4, House Husband 9, and Zombie Land 1 or Zombie Land. Uh Zombie 100 uh Volume 9. Uh I am looking forward to all of that. I will be heading into San Jose to go ahead and pick them up in person. Um, since I do have an event uh, scheduled for that as well. Um, so I'm really excited to go ahead and do that. Um next week it's kind of a slower side. Uh 
there is going to be Rent a Girlfriend 17 if you are still keeping up with Rent a Girlfriend. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind 7. Uh, it's slowly coming down to the end of Golden Wind. Um, if you are interested in picking up Golden Wind, I would recommend waiting until Book 9 comes out, which is going to be the last part of the series. Um, or if you are collecting it as it's being released, uh, go ahead and pick it up right now. Um, they all do look really nice on the shelf. I, I'm waiting for Golden Wind to kind of drop in price um, before I go ahead and pick it all up. But I would also say uh, part six which is uh stone ocean is slowly getting its way over to the states um and should be here i believe by the end of the year i think that is the timeline for um jojo's bizarre adventure part five uh stone ocean or part six stone ocean so yeah overall manga releases it's going to be crazy this week uh definitely Keep your eyes open for that. Um, I know that I'm picking up a bunch of manga. I'm starting to get stuff in the mail too um, because there, there's always some good sales going on and uh, your boy has been working his butt off so he treats himself to, to manga. Um, that's just how it is. <laughs> so how um, many books did you pick up for like the big 21, the February 21st drop? Uh, I haven't picked up any of those yet oh. from the 21st drop because I'm waiting till Saturday. Um I'm going to be going out to like my bookstore that I like the comic shop that I always go to uh, when I'm down in San Jose to go ahead and pick them all up. Then um, the reason for that is like, I knew that I had a casting gig uh, this weekend. So I was like, I'm going to just knock out two birds with one stone. It makes it a lot easier. So how many books are you anticipating picking up? Uh, at least those five that I've listed. So blue okay. lock five, uh, Loser Ranger 3, Shangri-La Frontier 4, uh, House Husband 9, and Zombie 100, uh, Volume 9. We will see what else is there. Um, I know that there are other books that I might pick up because I, if I see it and I'm like currently working on the series, I'll, I'll pick it up. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing that, and I've also been in my downtime at, at work, which is very little. Um, I have been reading another one, another like actual novel called the Shonen Jump Guide to Making Manga, um, which is another one of those like this, this is what you should be looking for when you're creating your manga kind of thing. Um, but I am interested in seeing how um, how this differs from what Araki said in his book. Um, and so I that is that is just a very interesting thing that I do want to read up on and see what uh see what the other authors in Shonen Jump uh have to say uh when it does come down to manga creation and creating something that is uh kinda kinda along those lines. So um yeah, that's something else that I'm also currently reading uh at the moment. But yeah, uh it, it's just cool to hear like one one of the things is that they mentioned early was um you have to read what is interesting to you but like if you start drawing manga it's okay to like draw inspiration or even copy certain panels from other manga artists just to get your hand like ready um and then you slowly figure out your own style as you continue to go through so 
Um, they were saying, for example, when they were talking to um, Usashi Kishimoto, the guy who made um, who, the guy who made Naruto, um, a lot of people were saying, like everybody thinks Naruto is its own entity, right? Like it's it's its own thing. Um, yeah, and it's original in its concept. Um, but after an interview with uh, with Kishimoto. Kishimoto admitted like he was greatly inspired um by the works of Dragon Ball, Blade of the Immortal and Akira, which are very like very different from what he ends up drawing um in Naruto. So it it's cool to go ahead and figure out what other people are reading and what's good um and then kind of using that as like ammunition. So um I'm currently reading through Blade of the Immortal, which is one of the ones that uh kishimoto is talking about and it's it's one of those interesting ones because it was printed in the 70s i think it's 70s or 80s um but when it was when it came over to the states they flipped the uh they flipped the art because it was originally printed in a comic book uh by dark horse so dark Mm -hmm. horse comics uh owns the rights to blade of the immortal so they flipped all the art and it was actually by the wish of the author. They said it would make it a lot, it would make it a lot more accessible for, um, for Western audiences to adapt or like to to actually absorb if it was written, uh, for a left to right audience. Um, so he told them to flip it. They they flipped the whole thing, and uh, yeah, I'm slowly getting through it. It's it's really it's really interesting to hear, um and and see what they end up coming up with you know yeah um so yeah uh that's it for you know the the recommendations and the manga releases and what i'm picking up um i guess the final final word before i go ahead and let you guys go um i am casting a couple events this weekend um for the 25th as i mentioned i'm heading out to san jose um for an in-person event at guild house um, I'm going to be casting a little bit of Valorant on the 25th. I'm not going to make it a whole day thing. Um, I just kind of want to check in, uh, maybe cast a couple batches, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, and yeah, that that's something that I've been kind of, I'm a little nervous about because like I haven't casted the newest map for Valorant. I haven't studied Lotus as much as I probably should, um, but I'm slowly working on that in my downtime. Um, and then got time uh, last, for the weekend. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of time. I can I can figure out what the callouts are in certain uh, certain peak points. Um, but yeah, the the other thing is uh, Victory Road Unite is finally returning um, at the end of February. It has been three months since I've casted with Doctor Kendo, so I'm really excited to get behind the chair or get get in the booth again and cast along with him. Um, but yeah, we we've been pretty much casting every single vr unite um since i think the beginning i think we were brought on either on one or two and then we just haven't looked back since so um it's really exciting to come back lots of new pokemon lots of new stuff um and yeah definitely something i'm keeping on my radar um as i am approaching the weekend uh hopefully they'll give me enough time to relax and then i can enjoy pokemon day a little bit you know pokemon day 
I'm like, 27. I'm really hoping that I'm really hoping that we get the uh, the port of Sapphire because that's my favorite Pokemon game. So many nostalgic memories. So, would I? I wanted to ask you just for fun, mm-hmm. if they were to make another like Legends game, like you know they had Legends Arceus, yeah, would you yeah. want Legends like Legends Rayquaza? Or oh, absolutely. Actually, you know what they they would do like Legends Jirachi. I think that might be the the Pokemon that they would focus on. Um, I I would I would love to see that. I think also if they did a Legend Celebi game, I would also be on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll see what they decide to pick up for us and what uh what ends up coming out of it. So I haven't beaten Arceus. I know I know what happens. I haven't beaten it either. <laughs> like, uh, I'm trying to save it for content. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, but. Yeah, um, a lot of anime and manga stuff coming out. Uh, I'll be keeping everybody in the loop uh, with what's going on in terms of Pokemon Unite and Pokemon Day, uh, as well as all the manga news. Um, just just to let everybody know, we are kind of in the middle of the winter season. We are going to be flipping at the end of March, so it's going to be a little bit of a ways away. Um, but... Hopefully, we will be getting a little bit more news about what is to come in uh, in the spring season. The spring season is, uh, for lack of a better term, it is stacked. It is overpowered. It's sh- like, I I might as well like quit my job and just watch anime. Because <laughs> like, this, this is literally what's coming out. Okay, so... Um, for for right now, like there's not a lot happening in the winter. Uh, I I do love me some Vinland Saga. I am watching that week to week, but everything else is just kind of like okay, yeah, it's cool to watch it, but like it's not anything that's too crazy. Um, next season, which is the spring, it is the return of Demon Slayer. You have Doctor Stone returning. You have Attack on Titan, the final the final part. Uh, you have Hell's Paradise, you have Oshinoko, you have Marshall, you have uh, the spinoff series of Konosuba, you have Mahotsukai no Yome coming out, you have more Osama ranking. It's just like all of these ridiculous series are all just returning back uh, like at the end of Marvel's Avengers uh, and just deciding to ruin my sleep schedule and my work schedule. So uh, that <laughs> that is exactly what's going to be going down on during the spring. Everybody is going to lose their collective minds over what is coming um to uh, to the anime season and then we'll just see what happens in the summer and see if we tear each other apart uh then all right everybody well in the meantime of of waiting to tear each other apart we hope you have a good week um when we'll be back at you next week to talk about all the geeky things that happen hope you have a good time if you're in a anywhere in california please try not to freeze as the winter storm comes and blows over us and puts snow over places that shouldn't have snow but anyway thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week adios next week we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet thanks for listening to this week's episode if you like what you hear Please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D, 
and feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.